Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. According to a Centers for Disease Control and Prevention study, one in six students have enough behavioral or emotional symptoms and impairment to be diagnosed with a childhood mental disorder. A separate study found that teen girls are experiencing an increase in sadness, violence, and suicidal ideation, and a reported 75% of teen girls living in the U.S. felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021. On the line with some back-to-school mental health tips is clinical psychologist, neuroscientist, neurofeedback practitioner, and educational consultant, Dr. Divya Kakaya. Thank you for joining me. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. You also go by Dr. K, which I love. So, Dr. K, why do children <laughs> experience stress when going back to school? Well, I mean, just think about the very complicated, traumatic last three years we have been through, Right. So we have been living in the shadow of fear for so many years, and then children were masked, right? They had to get masked, and they went into school with their masks, and and there was this air of fear. So I think that when you are a developing brain, and there's a lot of fear that comes your way, your naturally, your natural impulse would be to want to regress and to want to shelter and to want to make uh, find places that are safe for you. Does that make sense? Sure. So what are the signs that yeah. your child may be stressed? Well, I think I think parents will see it. And I think also the other thing that happened, Vicky, that was really kind of positive and good in the long run, when at the start of the pandemic, when family members needed to be together, a lot of parents actually kind of got to know the brain trajectory of a lot of their children during that time. So parents were able to start seeing struggles that the children are having. And so I think there was a component that I think is kind of positive in that parents got more attuned to the distress of their children because we were forced to be with our kids for months and months on end, right? So it got you more dialed in with what goes on for them. And I think for a lot of parents, I think some of the signs that they would be looking for, like a big one that shows up a lot is school refusal, right? Kids are like, or or children who start having stomach aches or they're having headaches or they don't seem that joyful about wanting to go to school or, or they're constantly like in a negative mood or they're pushing back or being defiant or being rebellious. Those would be some signs that your child is having some brain health struggles. What tips do you offer parents about how to help your child deal with stress? You know, I think for me, the biggest tip that I often offer my parents is really take the time 
to listen to what they're saying to you because oftentimes I think as parents, what we want to do is we want to go in there and if they express any distress to us, what we try to do is we try to just like fix it right away because we want to have, we don't want our child in distress, so we want to fix it. So one of the biggest tips I tend to give parents is to say, just kind of pause, try not to react to what your child is telling you and listen with like eight ears. If you can listen with eight open ears, that listening stance makes a huge difference for a child because then they feel like their parents saw them, they heard them, they listened to them, and that makes them feel less alone. And that's one of the best ways in which we counter anxiety is if the child doesn't feel like they're all alone in it because oftentimes anxiety can be this very tunneling type of an emotional activity that happens in the brain where you just feel like you're the only one kind of dealing with this. And when the child feels listened to, that at least opens the door for that stress to go down a little bit. And I usually encourage my parents to really validate the child's feelings because one of the things I want all family members to keep in mind is that the adult part of the brain only begins to come online around age 11 or 12. So prior to that, child is really all emotion. So when we pay attention to their feelings and we pay attention to their emotions, and we listen to their emotions and we validate those emotions, that is one of the biggest stress busters that a parent can do. Beyond this post-pandemic world that we are living in, what are some of the Mm -hmm. other unique stressors that our kids are facing in school, such as bullying, or what role does social media play in this? So huge, so huge. Bullying has been around forever. We all know bullying has been around forever, right? But what's happened now with social media is that the bullying has gone more covert and it goes underground and there's all of these things that kids do with each other. By the way, I want your listeners to know about an amazing app that we have created. I'm on the board of San Diego Crime Stoppers and we have this app called P3. And that app is manned by two detectives 24-7 and kids can report bullying incidences on that app and action will be taken if they see anybody being nasty to somebody else and they want to take a picture and they send it, and it's all done anonymously. So, you know, children be becoming upstanders and speaking up, we really sort of want to do that. And I think the unique challenges that our kids are dealing with today, post-pandemic, has to do with this kind of like this fuzziness that exists between our online lives and our real lives and how much, I think one of the reasons why we have self-esteem of girls being so negatively impacted is because of that constant comparing that girls are doing of themselves when they're on social media. And we know how much doctoring can be done to images. We know that there's a certain way in which you can present such a perfect picture of yourself that's not really the real you. But I think that whole complexity of who's the real me and who's the me online and what's my digital footprint and all of that. I think those are challenges that our generations are dealing with, our younger generations right now, that those of us that are in other generations never had to deal with. And I think it's relentless. I think social media is 24-7. Like the minute the kids wake up if they have a phone. Now, I'm one of those neuroscientists and psychologists that gives a horrendous recommendation to my family, which is put off getting them smartphones as late into high school as possible, like not even middle school, not even early high school, as late in, because there's a development that's happening in the brain 
that is going to get interrupted when they are on screens way too much. The screens are really damaging their brains in a very significant way. I'm speaking with Dr. Devia Kakaya, a clinical psychologist, an educational consultant. You've got a lot of titles in your name, among them neuroscientist and neurofeedback practitioner. Tell us about neurofeedback. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so neurofeedback. So think about neurofeedback as physical therapy for the brain. Okay, so when we're looking at brain conditions, so you can be looking at any brain condition such as depression, anxiety, ADHD, you could have headaches, you could have migraines, you can have seizures, you could have Parkinson's, like anything that lives in the brain is pretty much directed through the electrical activity of the brain. What we do with neurofeedback is we do a rewiring of the brain. So think about neurofeedback as a non-medication way to rewire the brain and balance the brain out and make the brain healthier. So the brain is a muscle. Brain is a beautiful three and a half pound muscle, right, Vicki? So we talk about eating nutritious foods. We talk about exercising. We talk about sleep. We talk about a lot of those things. But rarely do we ever have any conversations in our family systems about what makes your brain healthy. So neurofeedback is one of those treatment modalities. And I, I've been doing neurofeedback at my clinic for the last 12 years and having so much success. I've treated patients who had been suicidal for years and nothing was improving with all the different medications they'd been on. And they come in and within like 10 to 12 sessions of neurofeedback, their brain has done a complete reset and the suicidality disappears forever. So there's a lot that can be done with neurofeedback. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't know about it because even though it's been around for 32 years, a lot of people, because it's not out there, kind of like, you know, uh, Starbucks or yoga or anything like that, but it is a treatment method that actively rebalances the brain and makes the brain a much more healthier and functional organ. Why was neurofeedback something you wanted to study or learn more about? It's interesting you ask that question because I stumbled upon it. I had gone to a professional conference workshop type of, uh, no, actually it was a professional luncheon. And there was a psychologist there that was going on and on about neurofeedback. And I'm like, hmm, I knew my son who's 25 now, when he was in second grade, I knew that he was going to give me a run for my money because eventually it came to be that we figured out that he has inattentive ADD. So when I met that person and she was raving about neurofeedback, I actually went to her for a few sessions myself, and then I took my son to her for a whole year, and I was blown away by the processing changes that occurred for him. And even now, and he's 25, he's never, is not on meds or anything like that, but what I found was just the way in which we were able to get such significant processing issues out of the way with neurofeedback. So that's how come I ended up adding it to my treatment center. And now all I do is I'm a brain training center, but my patient zero was my lovely boy. (laughs) How might neurofeedback help a child deal with back to school stress? Keep in mind that underneath that school stress, you're talking about anxiety, right? So what the neurofeedback is going to do is when a person is in this fight or flight mode and their arousal is very high, they're going to want to avoid the things that make them feel anxious. It's natural. It's human nature to do that. What neurofeedback does is it calms the brain down and it allows the person to feel a sense of safety about getting out there in their world and not be so stuck in the ways in which their brain is keeping them stuck. So the brain gets unstuck. 
they don't avoid as much, and then they start living life again. Like I, I have a patient I've worked with who we, she had decided she was probably never going to go to college because she, she felt like her brain was never going to improve. And after a certain number of sessions, she was able to even go away. She finished first year of college. She's gone back for her second year, and she's thriving. So think about the brain as the CEO of the whole body. When we get that brain through neurofeedback, you get that brain into a really healthy place, and then that brain is going to serve your mind really well. And then when your mind is in a better place, then you're not avoiding things, you're happier in life, you're living your most authentic, best life, and then you kind of your brain doesn't get in the way. So neurofeedback helps us remove the way in which the brain gets in the way of our daily functioning. And I know there's probably not one size fits all answer to this, but how long does this treatment take? You know, what I do is I do an initial assessment, like it's an initial evaluation I'll do. And for children that are younger, I'll often work with, I'll do the assessment with the parents, the younger kids, like 14, 13 and younger, I'll work with the parents initially to do the assessment. And then we decide how many sessions they're going to need. And then based on that, typically the brain begins to do that reset and that rewire. Every brain responds differently, obviously. So that's why my training is very personalized and it's personally tailored to each brain that I'm working with. So I do not have anything that's a one-size-fits-all kind of an approach at all because each brain is unique and the genetics. And because of my training and because of the extra training I have and everything like that, I'm able to do a very, very comprehensive genetic evaluation too as well with what could be coming down because the brain is an organ just like the heart is an organ and we have certain genetic conditions that come through the heart I also want to understand what could be coming to the brain through the genetic pathways and I've been very good with my families in coaching them how we can do other things in addition to neurofeedback that optimizes the functioning of the brain and makes the brain the best it can be because ultimately if the brain is the best it can be then we're happy, then we're functioning, then we're doing life and we don't have all the challenges, you know? So this is a very holistic approach. Very, yes. Integrative. I always think about this as an integrative approach. It's an approach that is backed by scientific evidence. It's an approach that doesn't have side effects because a lot of times when people are on different medications, there'll be so many different side effects. Neurofeedback does not have any side effects. It's integrative. It makes the brain become a much more functional organ. So that is, I mean, I I have like a ton of machines in my office. This is like my jam and this is what I love to do. And and I just get happy at the end of the day when I leave every day. I'm like, oh, this was a good day today because I just know that the joy that I created with different brains. How effective is this treatment? Very effective. Very, very effective. I We tend to have a range of around between 80-85% success rates with what we do with neurofeedback. So it's a very effective treatment. In fact, a ton of my patients come to me when they've had their kiddos on ADHD meds, for example, and they're like, we don't like our child's growth curve is down. We don't like how they are. And, and we just don't want them to be on medication for the rest of their lives. And so they'll come to me for neurofeedback. They may be on the meds. And then slowly, as I get the brain functioning better, we're able to go lower on the dosages of the medications. And eventually, the kids will get off the meds. And the brain will be functioning just as, as beautifully as it was prior to be, you know, when it was on the meds. So it's a very successful treatment. Like I said earlier, it's been around for 32 years. So it's not anything experimental. 
And a lot of times when families call insurance companies and they're like asking about neurofeedback, they'll often be told by the, the insurance people, oh, it's experimental. When any treatment has been around for 32 years, it can no longer be considered experimental. And I always tell my parents to reach out to me by email and I'll send you the bibliography of all the research studies we have in our field because it is backed by research. So people don't need to think of it as this voodoo kind of therapy or anything like that. It's very clinically sound, research-based, Lots of studies have been conducted, and it's very effective. I've been speaking with clinical psychologist, neuroscientist, neurofeedback practitioner, and educational consultant, Dr. Divya Kakaya. How can someone learn more about neurofeedback? They can come to my website, which is healthywithin.com. That's healthywithin, W-I-T-H-I-N. And they can send me and contact us information from there. And I've got quite a bit of information describing neurofeedback. If people email me, I can send them. I also have a YouTube channel. It's Healthy Within YouTube channel. And on my YouTube channel, I have a lot of videos of different seminars that I've done with different brain conditions that I treat. And it's very educational. So I like, I, I'll often send people to my YouTube channel because then they can watch me doing a presentation about neurofeedback. And is there anything else you think we should know? I think the most important thing is for people to know that there are, well, one, that when children are struggling to pay attention, to make sure we listen well to them. And two, there are non-medication ways in which we can balance the brain and heal the brain and rewire the brain that doesn't have to have the negative side effects that come along if you take your kid to a psychiatrist or something like that. So know that there are options available. Even if the mildest level of anxiety, it's okay when we put that brain into a more optimum state they're going to do better. I work a lot with athletes who are right, like in really good form, but they just want to do a little bit better than they're already doing. So we call that peak performance training. So I work with well brains as well as brains that are having challenges. So every brain can benefit from neurofeedback in a significant way. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. And here's to a healthy school year. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thank you, Vicky. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.